Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. My name is Thomas and joining me is my co-host Jordan. Say hello, Jordan. Hello. Hi. (laughs) All right, so to briefly describe what the show is about, since this is, of course, the first episode, starting at chapter 1000, like any rational duo of people might. This is, of course, a One Piece podcast. We'll be going over uh, our review and discussion, mostly a discussion, I think, more so than a review, of both the anime and the manga each and every week for the foreseeable future. Format will more than likely be consistently as follows. We'll start with a uh, discussion of that week's anime episode to try to avoid spoilers for the anime-only crowd. From there, we'll discuss uh, news, rumors, that sort of thing that have occurred in the past week or since whenever the last episode was. From there, move on to a discussion of that week's manga chapter, in this case, chapter 1000. And then after that, a I've been describing it as a variety hour. <laughs> uh, and in that one, we'll just kind of discuss whatever we deem necessary, generally going to be One Piece related. We have something specific in mind going forward, but we'll cover that when we uh, get there. I figure that since this is the first episode, Jordan and I would discuss in brief our history with the franchise, also perhaps go over our favorite characters in the franchise as well. I thought we might do like favorite straw hat and then favorite non-straw hat, since those are kind of the two big categories. You want to start us off? Sure. As Thomas said, my name is Jordan. Uh, I became a One Piece fan fairly early in life. Uh, it was it was a nice escape for me in like the high school days, early high school. I would much rather read the manga than you know do my homework. So often I did. You know, I can just remember <laughs> laying down on the couch and blasting through, you know, up to a hundred chapters a day or whatever. Since then, you know, I tried to stay relevant for for quite some time. I would read it every week, but eventually I did end up dropping off while I was in college. I don't know, I just felt like the, the rest of my life kind of took priority at the time. And I don't remember how long the break was exactly. Thomas, actually, you could probably tell me better than I could. But I picked it back up because... You know, I had seen so much going on on the internet, and I just, I, it was it was killing me to not know what was going on. So eventually I caught back up, started re-watching the anime, but then I gave up and started reading because it's just so much more efficient and there was so much more to know. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the, the short and quick version of it. And favorite straw hat and non-straw hat? Oh, God. Uh, I mean, my favorite straw hat probably always has been and always will be Sanji. Um, I don't know, his his gentlemanly ways. First. What was that? I shouldn't have let you go first. Yeah, I know. It's it's awful. <laughs> um, but like, it's just it was where I was reading it when I was growing up, just like him being a gentleman for the most part. Uh, I mean, he's definitely not perfect. But I loved it, and I always will. And, you know, he's grown since then, and I have too, in in different ways, for sure. (laughs) I will say it's a tough one for me because Robin is, like, right behind him for me. I feel like she hasn't necessarily gotten the spotlight as much as Sanji has just because of how the story works. But I think she is, I don't know, I think she's one of the more important characters, so that pushes Mm -hmm. her up there for me. As for my favorite non-straw hat, we've talked about this before, and I have thrown out a lot of names because it's a constant flux and it's so hard to nail it down. But I think it's easiest for me to just say that it is Law because he's, I don't know, he's consistently shaken up the story. He's He's got that dark edge to him. He's a good foil to luffy and his crew without being i don't know blackbeard yeah like without being (laughs) awful um it's just it's it's really important for the story i think and also i gotta admit i think it's funny that law wasn't really supposed to be like a big main character from what i understand indeed Oda didn't design any of the supernovas until like 
three or four chapters prior to their introduction. Yeah. So for for that to be like, you know, sort of an underdog in this story about underdogs really speaks to me. As for my history, uh, I think that my first introduction to the series was probably watching the four kids dub on Toonami. I have a very distinct memory of uh, staying up late to watch it when it was airing and uh, having to like pretend to be asleep when my mother would come in to check on me. After that, though, I didn't follow the series for many years, uh, probably until the One Piece game on GameCube. I loved that game when I was younger. Then I just stopped, the four kids dub stopped airing. I didn't really know much about anime or manga outside of like Dragon Ball at the time. It's tough to get into at, at that age, for sure. Indeed. Then in high school, one of my best friends, James, was way into One Piece specifically at the time. He was like, I know you like Rave Master. And he would always suggest to me, hey, you should pick up One Piece. I'm like, okay, I guess I will do so. But uh, at the time, you may remember this, Jordan, the English releases of manga were way behind. Oh, yes. <laughs> the Japanese releases at the time. You can only really get the English versions in physical print volume format. So at the time, I think the Japanese manga was like almost at the time skip, but the physical releases of the English version was still in like the end of Alabasta, I believe. They didn't start to speed up until a couple years after that. But I've had a, a class, like a business management class, where the first month or so was like, they're teaching you how to make a business plan. And then the rest of the semester was him saying, okay, now go forth, skim the internet, do what you got to do to make your business plan. And I finished my business plan in about three days <laughs> and spent the rest of the, uh, the semester catching up on One Piece. I think at the time, the Japanese release, I think I caught up like during the like four-week break that led into the time skip. Uh, and from there, I've been pretty much consistently caught up with a couple instances where I've been uh, one or two chapters behind for life reasons. Um, but that's me. As for my favorite characters, uh, my favorite straw hat, uh, Jordan very rudely stole it from me, uh, but it is Sanji. My early years, relative to the series, my early years, uh, I always thought he was a cool guy. A gentleman cook always appealed to me. He's kind of been in flux uh, for that spot post-time skip. He's had some questionable moments that have kind of I'm not going to say they've pushed me away from him, but he's definitely taken a slight downgrade Okay, so in the post-time schedule. That's, that's totally fair, of course. Um, I gave my second of Robin since I knew that we were going to have the same first place. Who would you put as your number two straw hat? Number two might be... My number two through like five changes pretty much all the time. My mind immediately goes to Usa. He's reliable, yeah. Indeed. He's been a funny lad for many years now. He's definitely the most relatable of the Straw Hats, the most human. But his fights are always full of trickery and chicanery and all sorts of fun stuff that make for interesting horseshit. And his fight with, uh, as an example of that, his fight with uh, Luffy in Water 7. Maybe. Not only a fan favorite, but a favorite of mine as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you don't feel something when you watch that you are like what why are you watching one piece basically you know pretty much and then as for my uh favorite non-straw hat i think that title has to go to crocodile he's the first like real challenge that luffy has had i like the mafia boss aesthetic uh he was very powerful especially for his time Oh, and he, and he stays relevant, not, well, okay, relevant might not be the right word, but he's, <laughs> he's around, you know? Off doing something, even as we speak. But uh, I think like the, my primary reason for liking him is always seemed two or three steps ahead of our main boys at the time. He had backup plans on his backup plans. Unless you have anything else to add on that subject, I'm going to go ahead and jump into our news segment. Yeah, let's hear some news. So, got a couple subjects to discuss today. First one, Oda's comments that he sent in to be read at Jump Festa. I'm going to go ahead and read them to you. 
This one is translated by NoxDRaz on Twitter. Oda says, hello everyone watching the Jump Festa. It really has been a tough year. I believe there are many people strongly affected by the coronavirus. I want to give a round of applause to the many workers in the industry who are still bringing spirit to everyone in a wild situation such as now. That's just how this year has been. In the jump, Kimetsu no Yaiba was amazing. I think many people were emotionally moved by it. It's really impressive. That's how manga should be. I was somewhat moved as well. Now let's talk about One Piece stage in the jump festa. One Piece is soon reaching chapter 1000. By the time this message is made public, I'll have already finished chapter 1000. I'll be on my way to meet the Mugiwara Seiyu, and then parentheses, the voice actors. Or that's what would have usually happened. Now I can't go. What a shame. Old men and women on the stage. Wait, no old men and young ladies on the stage. Are you doing well? Not sure what that sentence is referring to. Oda goes on to say, Anyway, even though I can't go, I still finished chapter 1000. Will it be good? Chapter 1000? Chapter 1000 will be on the third issue next year. What a great timing. Please look forward to it. There are all kinds of projects alongside Chapter 1000 that'll make the next year even more exciting. Volume 100 will release in 2021. About the manga story itself, will that person finally make his move? That man with the red hair. As usual, the story is moving towards the end. Please take your time and enjoy next year as well. Aichiro Oda. I love that guy. <laughs> I like how, even while talking about the coronavirus, he goes on to kind of try to make it a lighthearted message, even while he's being serious and uh, thanking the, the appropriate parties for what they've been doing during this rough time. So, Jordan, it's my understanding that you have strong opinions on the Demon Slayer craze. I mean... <laughs> I've been known to have strong opinions about a thing or two every now and then. Uh, this one in particular. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I actually got you to get into Demon Slate. Well, get into, to uh, partake of, to say the least. Um, Indeed. Cause I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. I really, I did like, I watched all of it. Uh, but then you know, I didn't, personally, I didn't sit there, like, gripping the edge of my seat. When's the next, uh, you know, next season or whatever going to come out? When's this going to drop? I did push you to watch it, but that's just because I get excited about new things and I like to talk about them. And you know that, so you can't blame me. Um, but man, people are going nuts over it and I just don't, I don't feel the same way. And... I'm happy they have this for, for like, you know, for, for an outlet or whatever, but man, I would love to see what they're seeing, you know? I agree. I mean, it just blew the, the manga sales out of the water. The numbers year. are, the numbers are astronomical. They are insane. Indeed. One Piece has been on top for many, many years now. And I don't remember what the exact numbers are, but. Demon Slayer just like I think was yeah sixty million difference something many millions many millions of difference I can't even fathom that number <laughs> it's it's just crazy I'll still go to so many other things before Demon Slayer I don't it it certainly does not have that I don't know the same like rush that I expect from these shonen hits I guess I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, no, it made sense to me. I mean, with all the craze around it, you as a first-time watcher would expect to be blown away, and you were not. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I only bring it up because even Oda appears to be surprised that it took off the way it did. He even says that he was somewhat moved. Oh. <laughs> Man, that's... who A bad-handed compliment if I had ever heard one. Then he goes on to make some jokes about how he would like to be at Jump Festa, but cannot be. But I think the real meat of this message, and the thing that most people are talking about right now, is right at the end when he slides in there that red hair shanks, presumably. I mean, there are other people with red hair in one piece, but presumably he's talking about shanks. 
will finally make his move in 2021. What do we think that's about? We've seen snippets of him as much as we've seen snippets of, I don't know, Blackbeard. Like we've seen him more in flashbacks than actual story, it feels like. I think that might actually be true. I mean, generally when we see Shanks on panel, like in the present, it's like a couple pages, maybe, like him reacting to something Luffy's done on the paper. But we had an entire flashback with him in chapter one. He was in the Odin flashback pretty prominently recently in the manga. Uh, So I think you're actually correct about that. That means that this is, you know, it's so wide open and Oda does like to play little games every now and then. And I feel like this is this is one of them. Like he's he's getting us stirred up. He he knows people want to see more Shanks stuff, and this is the the perfect tease. You know, he's gonna make a move. What could that mean? Indeed, we got no idea what uh, Shanks's end game might be. Yeah, I mean, we know other people's motives, but we just know so little about Mister Red Hair. Shanks has always been a bit of an anomaly for me. I mean, he's so popular, right? Mm -hmm. But we know almost nothing about him. Yeah, I mean, is is that part of his popularity? You know, like... People like a good mystery. Yeah, he's just, he's shrouded in it. And, I mean, he's he's cool, like, for sure. You know, he he has held his, his spot at the, you know, sort of at the top, even though he has had one arm for the last... How many years? Like, at least a decade, if not more? It's probably around a decade. I mean, I'm sure the number's out there, but it's it's probably about ten years. Yeah, but, like, comparing him to his, uh, I mean, his contemporaries, you know? Like, he is, he's physically very small, and we know very (laughs) little about him, and we know that he can hold his own. So, like, I get the hype around it. But it's not enough to push him into, like, my... No, what can I say? I am very excited to see what Oda means about this. I can't lie about it. (laughs) You and me both, buddy. But moving on from his Jump Festa comments, I did want to briefly comment on uh, Oda's editor named Iwasaki. He gave a brief interview recently where two things of note came out. He was asked about a rumor, right, about uh, whether or not One Piece was going to be exactly 120 volumes long, taken from a statement that Oda made years ago that volume 60 was the halfway point. I believe that was when they were about to hit the time skip. Iwasaki, in response to this question, says that the volume number isn't set in stone, but confirms, as Oda has been saying for a while now, that the story is heading towards its ending. And then he comments on the number of years the manga has left but the TV show that it aired on decided to censor it for some reason. But as a reminder, Oda himself said earlier last year that the manga had four to five years left. So I think it's curious that uh, my guess is that Shueisha is the one making this decision about censoring out this man's interview. But if Oda's allowed to comment on it, <laughs> why wouldn't this man? Maybe he said too much. I mean, he might have added an extra comment in there that maybe he ought not have said. I don't know. He also was asked about a rumor about uh, whether or not Oda has a ATM in his house, if he's just that rich. But uh, turns out, sorry people, that rumor is not true. Oda does not have an ATM in his house. But he does comment that Oda thinks that rumor is very funny. Like, what? what? Okay, so this rumor, let's take a second here. Like, how (laughs) does... How does this start? What purpose would the ATM serve? <laughs> I mean, I, re- I, I don't know what the practical purpose <laughs> of having an ATM in your own home would be. I mean, I guess the assumption is like, oh, you're so rich that you can afford to have an ATM in your own house. But Right, but like, then why wouldn't you just have a whole bunch of money? <laughs> May as well just have stats and stats of it. Yeah, people have safes, you know? Like, I... I... I can understand why Oda was uh, entertained by this. It's a very <laughs> funny rumor. Indeed. Moving on from Oda doing silly stuff. Here's a fun thing, Jordan. You know the the character popularity polls they put out every few years? Oh, yeah. Well, up until now, as a matter of fact, every popularity poll 
has been done Japanese only. I think last year, the English version of Shonen Jump did their own like English-speaking country poll. But prior to that, just Japanese people were able to enter these popularity polls. But as of today, you can go to OnePieceWT100.com. That stands for One Piece World Top 100. What it is is a global popularity poll. So instead of doing a Japanese-only one that they're going to publish in the, uh, the volumes that they always do, this one is now going to be worldwide. Go on the website. You click on the vote button. You can vote once a day. And then it shows Monkey D. Luffy through Jinbei, and then it also includes the Going Merry and the Sunny as the in the Straw Hats section. Then you scroll down a little bit more, and then you can choose a story arc to browse the characters from. You click on one of those characters to vote on. So it's limited by the number of characters they actually have in the database. But if you go in there, let's choose, I don't know, Alabasta as an example. It's got more characters than you would probably think. For example, Mr. Snowman is a literal snowman that Luffy made like when they were approaching <laughs> Drum Dude. Island. He's just, he's not a person. He's just a snowman. And he is a selectable character in this poll. Oh, of course he is. Yeah. Uh, the Brontosaurus that Luffy jumped on on Little Garden. That's a character. The hiking bear is not terribly surprising. Anyone who has appeared on screen, pretty much, with a couple notable exceptions that I was reading about on Twitter earlier. Even literal snowmen. <laughs> Here's something notable that I was also reading about on Twitter earlier. You know Brownbeard, the uh, centaur of sorts that was uh, on Punk Hazard, was where he made his big appearance, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't have the freshest image of him, but I remember him in passing, yeah. He had a brown beard, and his butt half was a uh, was an alligator. Does that ring any bells? Oh boy, does it! <laughs> Indeed. Uh, up until now in the franchise, he's just been called Brownbeard. That's just what he calls himself. Uh, but it's revealed on his selection in this uh, in this voting thing what his actual name is. You want to take a guess before I tell you you're wrong and tell you what the actual name is? Oh, that well, you're setting me up for so much success. Um, Auburn Beard. <laughs> His name is Browndros Beard Riguez. He kept the beard. That's good. Indeed. We all thought that he was just trying to copy Whitebeard for the, the street cred, but not so. That was just part of his name. So you can go on once a day, Japanese time, and put in an additional vote. That's nice. Indeed. Uh, the voting period is starting today, and it goes up through the 28th of February at midnight. That's when it ends. And this is, of course, again, Japanese time. Uh, one other thing of note that this website does is that, you know, it's a worldwide poll, right? So at the bottom, you can click on where it says World Hot Characters, and then choose a section of the world that you want to investigate. Let's take North America, for example, because that's where we are. And it'll tell you who the, like, the top three characters of the day are in that area. In third place, Tony Tony Chopper. Second place, Monkey D. Luffy. And first place, uh, Robin. Whoa, okay. Yeah, so, wait, people in North America do have taste? <laughs> I don't know. Chopper's on that list. So. Chopper's pretty adorable, man. You ever seen him try to hide behind a wall? I have. I do miss those days. Yeah, me too. Anything else you would like to comment on before we go to the manga chapter? Nah, I mean... The biggest news of the hour. Yeah, chapter 1000 has been looming over us for so long, we gotta we gotta dive in and talk about this. Indeed. Been dodging spoilers for weeks now, and I'm pretty hyped to actually begin. Here we go, chapter 1000, starting with the uh, special half of the sideways cover page. Do you recognize where this is from, Jordan? Uh, no, but every time I look at it, I do get a little confused because uh, there's Brooke and another skull. So I'm just like, why Why would you do that? Why are they right next to each other? Right. When the other half of the chapter, or the other half of this image came out for the chapter 999, I thought they might actually be trying to make that Brooke with a mustache. Right. Um, 
but he didn't have the afro, so you know, yeah. figured it out pretty easily. Yeah. But this is actually a redrawn version of the cover art for chapter 100 except of course it has the additional straw hats that have been added since then oh that's that's great i love i love seeing those when they pop up indeed i'll have to send you the previous one later it's interesting looking and comparing and seeing how oda's art has changed in the 20 years or so since that one came out and i do really appreciate them actually including jinbei because they only start recently started doing that uh, anything else you want to comment on before we move on to the actual chapter? Oh, Mention Bay looks good with golden sideburns. <laughs> he does look good, as he always does. All right. Chapter title is Draw Hat Luffy. Page one. Luffy's on his way up to the roof. He's on the fifth floor right now, where he runs into your boy Shishillian. Thinks his name is Lion Viper just because it's he's a lion and he thinks every manker is the same as a Nikamamuchi, I guess. But uh, he has a cute moment with Shishillian here where he appreciates them for having protected Raizo way back when. Luffy has deep-rooted respect for the minx. Page two. Here we have... <laughs> and this is actually something I wanted to talk about in detail, if possible. Yeah, I mean, I knew this was coming. <laughs> so, here we have Marco, Queen, and Kane. Marco grabs the two of them by the neck, just kind of tosses Zoro to the roof. But uh, what on earth is going on with Queen? Yeah, so... Uh, like, that is not natural for any animal. I understand that Queen is a bit of a tinkerer, you know, willing to, to put in the work, but the, the implications here, maybe I'm taking this too far, but, like, if he has some weird cybernetic or cyborg thing going on and then he can go into a devil fruit form and have it still be there would be very big or if his devil fruit can just do this why can it do that i don't think there's any chance that this is like an ability granted to him by his fruit like he had to have done this to himself or had it done to him at some point i would imagine he also has an extendo neck when he's in his uh his man form as well, but like he barely has a neck okay. in his man form. Yeah. So like if if Frankie were to eat a devil fruit, are you saying that if he were a zone type like Queen, he would still be able to do the reverse centaur in his devil fruit form? I assume so, yeah. This is terrifying, but I love <laughs> it. I would love to see more of this, honestly. Plus like I've been probably an extendo neck pretty much, but is that even what it is? I mean, imagine for a moment on this middle panel. He just took Queen's head and just stuck it on, like, at the bottom of where the robot bit is. Does that look like how long his neck is? I mean... Or just, like, did that bit of his neck that had flesh around it previously, is that just now robot bit? You know what I'm saying? It could be. I... I feel like we've seen his neck in action before. Uh, <laughs> we have, yes. That's why I'm confused about this. Yeah, I, I don't think he had time to do this. There might be an explanation later, but for now I am... I mean, no doubt when we get the actual queen fight, it'll be cleared up, I hope. Yeah, this is one of those things that I'll be very interested to see in the anime. Indeed. I think he had like a gun coming out of his mouth a couple chapters ago. Where did that go? Did you just drop it? I had assumed that it was like part of his cybernetic body. He just has a gun mouth. Okay, could be, could be. <laughs> I mean, if it was just like a gun he had in his mouth, how was he shooting him? I guess he could do it with his tongue. Got a strong tongue. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, Marco tosses Zoro through a lengthy hole in the roof at the bottom level. I did also want to talk about in brief what this means for the three remaining characters on this floor, Queen, King, and Marco. Do we now think that Marco is going to solo King and Queen? What do we think about the fights that this is potentially setting up? It almost seems like Marco could. He obviously has caught them off guard here, and he takes control of the situation for sure, and he has confidence, which makes me say, like, it could, it could happen. Do I think that it will? Probably not. 
because Marco knows what's going on here, and he knows how important it is for the core members of the Straw Hats to, like, take charge here. He knows what's going on. He wants the new generation to be the forefront of this fight. Yeah, he's he's got glasses now. He can't be in this game, you know? <laughs> That's true. And I think he even said a chapter or two ago that he doesn't want to get directly involved in the Kaido fight. Right. Now, whether or not he meant Kaido himself or, like, battles with Kaido's goons, who can say? But I'm sure that'll be sorted in the, the coming chapters. But for now, I mean, it it really is up in the air. I I hope he doesn't fight them. I don't think that that is as rewarding, personally. Even though there is no shortage of threats out there. That's true. But it also kind of seems like all the other primarily combat-related straw hats have already been paired up for fights. That's true. I mean, I guess Chopper's busy. Usopp is pretty much out of commission now with a cracked skull. Um, Plus, I had assumed that because uh, Ulti and Page One are looking for Nami and Usopp that they would eventually have a rematch of Schwartz. I'll be interested to see where that goes. Now, consider this. We kind of already know that those pairings, at least some of them, have to be shaken up. You know what I mean? Like, we know that unless something drastically changes with this character, Sanji's not going to fight Black Maria. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is true. So at least he has to be swapped out for something else. Yeah. And I would imagine that he will not be the only one <laughs> to be swapped in this capacity. That's true, or someone could end up somehow having like a particularly good matchup and they finish quickly and move on to something else. Who knows? That's true. It just makes you think, like, if not Marco or Sanji, like Sanji certainly won't be able to 2v1 king and queen, no. you know? So who else aside from Sanji and Marco that's there to potentially take on one of the three big boys of Kaido's crew? Jinbei, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think back as to where Frankie is, but Frankie was dealing with, like, the Rhino guy last I remember. Indeed. And Jinbei was about to be tussling with the Catman, and they seem to have, like, a some sort of history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Jinbei is going to be torn away from that fight. No, but I did, I did think about this as I reread that chapter, because, um, like, all of the people in that room they're cats and jinbei controls water and like yeah i understand that they're devil fruit users and therefore they already have a relationship to water but like cats against water is but not it's also cats against fish that's a good point <laughs> that's a good point cats against fish wow double-edged sword huh indeed uh then we get to another interesting set of pages you have momo and yamato and Chinogu's there too, discussing the contents of Odin's journal. Apparently he's got something about the will of D in there, and he chronicled it in his jump book that someone rescued from the burning castle when uh, Odin died. What do we think is going on there? Well, this is a the first, I guess, big drop of this chapter. It's saying a fair amount. For me, one of the big impacts is that it is happening right in front of that statue that we like just recently learned about. This statue that is a symbol to toppling Kaido, and then for them to go in on the lore around these people that are fated to... Well, actually, I think it's it's described as like, these are the people that God fears. And to a pirate, there's no one else that's more like God than Kaido and Big Mom right now, so... It's nice. It's real nice. It's all coming together. Indeed. These secrets have to be revealed in detail sooner rather than later. It seems like we, real soon, are going to get actual answers. Right? And uh, some part of me is always going to be worried that they're going to try to pull some, like, uh, Harry Potter thing, which I guess, you know, spoilers for Harry Potter, but it's an old story, so whatever. Um, Where... uh, you know, there was the faded character and everyone thought it was Harry the whole time, but then it turns out to be Neville. 
Like, what if they do that with Law in this? Because Law is, <laughs> he has the, the D as well. True. Many people do. Speaking of Law, uh, on the next page here, we see him and Kid uh, presumably heading towards the roof because that's where we see them later. While Yamato describes a little bit of Momo's history being born on Whitebeard's ship, traveling on Rogers. And then Yamato says, they said that in the future, over 20 years later, the new world would be overrun by young, powerful new pirates. I'm assuming they're talking about Roger? Roger said that? Who's the they? Maybe Roger and Whitebeard? Yeah, Roger, Whitebeard. As far as we know, Odin and them didn't have like prophecy abilities. Later we see him, like, he said something in detail that I'm just confused about where he got this. Well, that's true, (laughs) but, I mean, his, wasn't it his wife that had the ability to send people into the future? I mean, she has powers related to time. He could definitely have inside information already. That's true. I mean, nothing of that has been specifically mentioned to be one of Toki's powers, but definitely could be. Yeah, I'm just trying to think outside the box for this, because otherwise I really... Like, we don't know anyone with future sight, do we? Uh, there's Madame Charlie from Fishman Island. She had detailed prophecy powers. And actually, they went and visited her uh, during that Odin, flash- Odin flashback. So maybe that's where this, uh, this prophecy is coming from. Okay, maybe we just put two and two together. I like it. Don't know that for sure. Maybe it has something to do with what they saw at, the, uh, at Laugh Tale, but remains to be seen. Point is, I don't know where the prophecies come from. Odin appears to have known a lot of shit. Um, I hear something fascinating, Jordan. In this next section, with Ace and Yamato, right? Ace accidentally lets slip a dream of Luffy's that they told that Luffy told them about when they were younger and they laughed about. Right? Yamato says, hold on a second. This is the same thing that Roger says as detailed in Odin's journal, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Consider the following. This incident that uh, Ace is referring to, where he and Sabo were laughing at Luffy, it happened during the Kid Luffy, Ace, and Sabo flashback in between uh, Marineford and the time period. When it happened, Luffy says something to the tune of, I'm going to be... And then he just kind of trails off to the blank panel. Then it cuts to after he's already said it. So we didn't actually get to see what he said at that time. This isn't the the first time they've repeated that little trope. During the Odin flashback, Roger goes ahead and he's talking to uh, Whitebeard and Odin. And he says, I'm going to be. He trails off. Then we cut back to him having already said it. Yeah. And Odin and Whitebeard are laughing at him, thinking he's a crazy man, just like uh, Ace and Sabo did. Right? Then a little bit later, in that same flashback, the newspaper comes out. And that's when the term Pirate King has been used for the first time. Roger says him to the tune of, Pirate King, huh? That has a nice ring to it. So that's not a term that he created. So it doesn't seem likely that the dream that they're describing here is to be the pirate king, you know? So there's some, there appears to be, in my view at least, some other shared dream beyond being pirate king that Luffy and uh, Roger shared. Well, see, now, to me, this is this is almost an easy one. Uh, I think that based off of what we've heard Luffy say in the past, like the only thing that it can be is that they are, he's going to be like the freest person in the world or the world, like the man with the most freedom. That's, that's what he's defined as being the pirate King in the past. That's true. But I, I think it has to be something along those lines. But why would that make... Ace and Sabo laugh, and same thing for Whitebeard and Oda. Like well, being free isn't like a, a crazy dream to have. I mean, in this world it kind of is, but... <laughs> it, that's the thing, though. In this world it is, and I think that at its core, like, One Piece, as, as I think I said earlier, it's the story of underdogs, and it's like, 
it's this story of rebelling against something that's corrupt like as much as the marines are a like they are the authority in this world right but like we are we are forced to side with the pirates and we are shown that the pirates often are better than the marines and like it it's a story about uprising and and gaining more freedom to a certain degree so i think it it fits there uh i agree i just think there's got to be something beyond that you know like that doesn't even in the oppressive world that one piece is i don't think that would have invoked such a reaction from a uh a sabo whitebeard noted especially if you consider that they haven't told us outright what this dream is yet and Luffy has said that thing about wanting to be the freest man in the past, you know? That's true. I guess it wouldn't make much sense to tease that. Indeed. Why tease something that he's already said, you know? But I do think you might be thinking down the right path. But it's just got to be something a little bit more crazy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's just... We'll have to wait and see. Indeed. I do think it's fascinating that even in this late game, Luffy has seemingly some sort of additional endgame. You know, I mean, he's always been playing by his own rules. Is this all that surprising? I suppose so. But uh, Ace accidentally lets it slip to Yamato what the what his dream is, and Yamato responds, "I'm not going to laugh at him." Those are the same words Roger said. Those are messing Roger by name. Um, but Yamato is very impressed by Luffy's words. Then we find out that it is Yamato who showed uh, Ace for the first time what a Vivre card was, which I thought was kind of fascinating. I mean, like, Wano is like a big deal island in the New World. And presumably this is fairly early on in Ace's career, because it's before he meets Whitebeard and all that. But I think it's very impressive, I guess, that Ace made it all the way to the new world without knowing what a fever card was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not like fever cards weren't a thing. You're right. It's pretty weird that he just, I guess, passed them all by. Indeed. In fairness, we didn't really know what a fever card was in detail until we were almost at the new world, but even so. Yeah. All right. So Ace leaves the bit of Yamato, Shinobu, and Momo continues. Uh, talked about what happened after uh, Ace died, how he heard about Luffy. I made, made a name for himself. Then Yamato says, in detail, what Odin wrote about the future. And as we turn the page, we get this big old double-page spread of Luffy having just arrived. He's the last to arrive, even behind Zoro, embarrassingly. <laughs> Uh, appears to be setting up the five of them, Law, Zoro, Luffy, Killer, and Kid, against the duo of Big Mom and Kaido. Now, this was this this was some nice payoff for Chapter 1000, for sure. Like, this is... I love these double spreads. Like, they're, they're such a nice payoff, and this is a... This is a great one, just to see the spotlights of everyone that's there. You can... You can just feel the tense, like, air that is there, and I love it. Agreed. And these are five of the supernovas. Drake and uh, Apu and Hawkins is the other one. They're all around, but they are not important enough to be a part of it today, I guess. <laughs> no, I think these, these people here have kind of jumped to another level, at least for the purpose of right now. Indeed. For the narrative's sake, at least. Right. An argument can be made about whether or not Zoro could defeat those other guys I mentioned in terms of power, but narratively speaking, these are the five most important. Right. So, so based on the going to like the words that are being said here, like uh, the the big part for me is that the journal supposedly says, you know, if you know, it's talking about all these youngsters, whatever. But it says they will be the ones to strike down Kaido. So like the journal, if this is a prophecy, is saying that it's going to take at least more than one of them to take them down. But also it only is talking about Kaido. Like 
maybe if it was a prophecy, they didn't know that Big Mom would be there and that could throw things off. There's a lot that could happen. That's a good point. From I mean, if it is indeed a prophecy from Madame Charlie, it's been stated that her prophecies are 100% accurate, but this could be shaken up in some capacity with Big Mom being there and still the bit about Kaido still end up being true. So I think you might be on something there. Yeah. Now, it could also be that this bit on the right, where it says, over 20 years in the future, powerful pirates leading the next generation will come swarming into the new world. That part could be the prophecy. And then the next bit about, if I am dead by then, they will be the ones to strike down Kaido. That sounds like a comment from Odin. That's true. It could be. It could be. Rather than a continuation, that could be his own little thought. I didn't think about that. I think that's my my headcanon interpretation as of now. I do think it's very embarrassing for Luffy that Zoro made it up there <laughs> before he did. I mean, Zoro had a lot of help. Not that Luffy didn't, actually. So, And not that Zoro will ever admit it to be true, but yes. <laughs> this is the, well, this is also, let's be honest, the only way that Zoro was going to get there. That's true. <laughs> Had to be thrown there directly by a flaming bird man. Just slingshotted up. I like how little Zoro has gotten lost in this, uh, this Onigashima skirmish, just because he's been in one place, pretty much, right, in the main room at the bottom. They just gets mm-hmm. thrown directly to where he needs to be. And that's the end of it. Yep. And he's he's had eyes on him. Like people have been they they'd take care of him if he needed. Indeed. Something else of note that I want to discuss while we're here. Kind of go back to the uh the fight pair off discussion for the quote unquote lesser members of the crew. I think it would be mm-hmm. especially embarrassing for Sanji, right? Specifically Sanji. If Zoro plays a part in defeating these two, as they seem to be setting up that he will, and Sanji is relegated to fighting like somebody two tiers in terms of Kaido's crew ranking below, you know, I don't think they're going to make Sanji just fight a member of the Flying Six, you know? Yeah, that would be hugely disappointing. A, with the raid suit, and B, with Law's powers, like... There's there is almost no limit to who could show up if they were somehow aware of what was going on. Oh, so you think Sanji might come up here? I mean, he could. I don't know. I was thinking about it just because you brought it up, and like, it's not like he can do anything against Big Mom. I guess he could fight uh, Zeus and Prometheus, but it's, it's only Kaido. Otherwise, that's true. But I mean, he can fly, so I could see him showing up. I don't think it's very likely that just Sanji shows up. I think it might be the case that all the Straw Hats finish up their respective fights and they all converge on the roof and they're the ones to kind of deal the finishing blows, I guess, in a team effort to these two. I don't think it's very likely that just Sanji, you know. I guess. That would be nice, but doesn't that downplay the kid and killer and law angle? I suppose that's true. I mean... Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I don't think that's very likely to happen. This is the captains with their right-hand men, except mm-hmm. for Law. And, like, maybe Sanji shows up and does that for him because Beppo is not around. Poor Beppo. Got shafted. <laughs> but he's not a supernova, so... I guess it would have been strange having him here. I guess so. Moving on. So, Luffy sees... a. Uh... Kaido and Big Mom standing there, floating there in Big Mom's case. Uh, <laughs> Kaido's talking a bit of trash. He's like, hey, you want to guess what this little shit said to my face? <laughs> Big Mom already knows. He's mad at him about destroying her castle. Luffy's not listening, though. He just walks right past him, goes straight to Kinemon and the gang. Now, you, you say that Luffy notices Kaido and Big Mom, I think Luffy immediately noticed Kinemon behind them. I think you're right. He definitely sees them there, because, you know, he's not a blind man, but in that panel that I'm referencing, yeah, he's taking notice of uh, Kinemon in the game. Right. Now, here's a question that I had. Like, uh, 
in that bottom right panel, it said like there's text, tech, tech. Um, is that showing that Luffy's walking? Because it almost looks like he just appears behind them and they're kind of caught off guard by that. I've been seeing this discourse kind of going around today. It is a popular theory that Luffy kind of speed blitzes past them, but I think he's just walking. Yeah, the fact that, like, on this page, there's three instances of it being tech, tech, which has to be his his footsteps. Like, he's got to just be taking a slow, deliberate walk between them while they're like, hey, did you hear what he said? It's got to be. I think that. that's exactly it. It's, because it's, I was going to say, otherwise, Luffy is faster than Kizaru and we got problems. Um, <laughs> Indeed. And I, I like that imagery so much better. Agreed. So I think you're right. I think Luffy's just walking past them. They're talking shit to each other. And then when they start paying attention again, Luffy has already passed him. Yeah. Like, they don't, they think that he's nothing. Indeed. I think they'll find that he is indeed something in just a few more pages. But uh, Luffy finds Kinemon. They're chatting in a manner of speaking. <laughs> Luffy notices their unconscious bodies lying around. On the next page, we see a shot of each of them. They're all unconscious there. And uh, Kinemon just feels right terrible about it. But not to fret, because on the next page, we learn that uh, Luffy's not going to let anything bad happen. Indeed. Kimon beds Luffy to take on this burden and help Wano. And Luffy's already got it on his agenda. He's like, yeah, way ahead of you, buddy. Yeah, you you might think I just wandered up here by chance. No, no. <laughs> Came up here with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kaido, uh, tired of being ignored, has decided to throw a metaphorical punch. Or he has an opportunity to take Luffy and Kinemon out in one swipe. Luffy yells to Law to teleport them below. He does so, and uh, Kinemon and the other red scabbards, plus Izo, are no longer a factor. I assume they're going to need up his chopper and be healed or whatever. Yeah, you know how Chopper does. Indeed. That has been his narrative relevance for the past uh, 20 years or so. <laughs> and hiding behind walls the wrong way. That's true. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's doing it the right way, but society doesn't feel that way. Exactly. On the next page, Kaido has completed that swing, but oh no, Luffy is already above. I guess in this following panel, that blow of Kaido's has traveled quite a ways. I think that's the bottom room that we're seeing there. That the big one that uh, King and Queen are on. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's the disease room. So that's to be them. Disease and rubble falling from the sky. It's been a rough day to be a rando on Kaido's crew. Luffy readies a big ol' gear third punch while flashing back to some of the people from Wano that he respects. These people include all of the minks. <laughs> Most notably, yeah. uh, Ino Arashi and Ekamamushi. Uh, Momo, Kinemon, uh, Yasu, uh, the mafia guy, the little old man mafia man. And then... Uh, Kitamon again. Yeah, I mean, Luffy couldn't have gotten here without every one of these people. So Indeed. And they've all been wronged directly by Kaido in one fashion or another. Luffy's not going to abide by it anymore. About to throw that punch, Kaido glances up at him. So he sees this punch coming. But I, my interpretation is that he thinks it's going to be fine and just takes it. And it's not fine. Kaido seems to have maybe been caught off guard here, some, Indeed. some might say. He thought he would just taint that punch. and We also saw some people saying that, yeah, the punch hit him and it knocked him down, but it didn't actually damage him. But you can see in the panel on this page where he's actually taking the punch that there's blood coming yeah. out of his mouth. Yeah, he's he's seen better days. Indeed. Luffy unveils his new attack, the Red Rock. Appears to be an upgraded version of the Red Hawk. Um but done with gear third instead of gear second, so it's appropriate that they choose the rock because uh, that shows a bigger bird. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, I I think this naming is just it's smart on. I was reading on a Reddit that apparently the uh, the unofficial fan translation just did red rock with a K, so it's just like a stone. 
Oh, that was, no. That would have been boring, but I'm cool with this. Yes. <laughs> More than cool. Yeah, and, and you can tell that your theory, I think you said, is confirmed, because, like, Lynn says, why did you let him hit you? It is stated that, yeah, he thought this would be nothing. Indeed. It'd be hard to say Big Mom does not look shocked in that last uh, panel that features her. <laughs> <laughs> the most shot face ever put to paper. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is a millimeter of eyelid between either of her eyes. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, immediately following that, I did not catch this personally, but apparently this is the uh, the silhouette of Luffy is the same pose that Shanks did right before he removed his hat and put it on Luffy's when he was giving him the, the straw hat way back in chapter one. I knew it looked familiar. I could not tie it down to Shanks, but it's it's good to hear that. Indeed. Then Luffy, he was asked about it earlier by Kaido. He was like, what did you say, boy? Luffy's now saying, let me tell you, I'm Monkey D. Luffy, the man who will not only become the Pirate King, but also surpass the two of you. And the fight begins. Yeah, I mean, he's been saying it for the last thousand chapters. He finally gets to say it to the ones that it actually matters. Indeed. These are his direct rivals, the closest to... Presumably, we don't know where the last poem glyph is, but each of these two have one. So they are his direct competition to being the pirate kid. To, to tie it back to Shanks making his move in 2021, supposedly. That just, all four of them up in the mix, you know Blackbeard's going to show up. And we thought that Wano was, you know, things kind of getting cranked up to 11. But I think he just, you know upgraded 10 to the new one and now we're starting to creep back up that scale <laughs> you think so huh it's what it feels like like how can you how can you back off from this now pretty much now unfortunately we are going to have to back off from it because uh there's a break next week yeah i'm sad been waiting i think pretty much two full weeks and going straight into another one but there's quite a cliffhanger to leave us on after uh being off for a little bit but here's a thought luffy trained for a couple weeks mastering this new form of uh, armament hockey uh, to be able to land this big old punch on kaido but uh the other members of his team up here have not so like do you think anyone else at the top of this tower is going to be of any real use in this fight so here's, I mean, this is coming straight off the dome here. Um, Zoro has one of Odin's old swords, right? Uh, yes, that's true. I don't know, kid, he magnetizes things, <laughs> and there's a bunch of swords from the uh, the samurai that, you know, were kind of holding kind of off. Maybe those, because they have all been imbued with Odin's uh, will, I think it was said at some point, maybe. I think that was the explanation, Dave, and for why they uh, they were able to hurt him. Yeah. So maybe that's residual. He picks those up. He does damage that way. Honestly, I don't think Law has much of an issue. He's, in my opinion, still one of the most crazily overpowered people in this world. And then Killer's kind of just on his own. I don't know. <laughs> I'd say Killer is probably the smallest factor in this mm -hmm. fight. Yeah, he'll be probably handling something from Big Mom, I would assume. Indeed. Uh, and that about covers all of my thoughts on this chapter. Anything you would like to add before we move on to the final section? Uh, I think I'm pretty good. We, we've said a fair amount about this, and I'm ready to move on. All right, very good. Now, I said in the introduction segment that after the manga chapter discussion, there is going to be a segment that I've been describing as the Variety Hour. Um... For the foreseeable future, I think we're going to include in that segment, I don't really know how to how to put a name on it, but Jordan, have you ever reread the series or have you just been going straight through for however long you have? I, yeah, I've, I've always just tried to pick back up where I left off. So technically I've had one full read through and that's it. I think I've also watched every episode so like i have consumed the media twice technically gotcha. but 
for me personally, the manga like just sticks so much more. But you've been you took the manga in one long take over about at least a decade. Mm-hmm. So Jordan intends to reread the entire manga from the beginning. So we had thought that we would, for the variety hour section until we are caught back up, use that as an opportunity to discuss uh, the chapters that Jordan had read that past week. Don't know how many of them we're going to do at a sitting. Don't know how in detail we are going to go, but that is our intent. But we are not going to do that in this episode because Jordan has not begun yet. So because this is, again, our first episode, and Jordan intends to reread the manga for the first time starting next week, I thought it would be fun to give at least maybe a top three favorite arcs of his, um, since this is pretty much based off of memory that he would be ranking these, and then see if he changes his tune about those top three by the time he's reread and caught back up. So... Yeah. Okay. So Water 7 has always been just huge for me. I mean, that's that's kind of a pivotal point of the story. I mean, what isn't to a certain degree? Like every part matters so much. But uh, I think I'm going to put Water 7 at the top for now. Then after that... Does that include... Water 7 and Annie's Lobby as one big arc, or are you counting Water Separate and Annie's Lobby? Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, they are so closely tied together. I mean, it's those are very much a continuation of the same thing, but (laughs) man, that makes it harder. Because if not, then I would probably put Annie's Lobby as the first. Because that's, that's the important part to me from what I remember. It is where all the action is. Yeah, everything else is like great and very important, but that's, I mean, that's the payoff, which is what you do it for. So sure, okay, if we're discluding it, then I will put Ennis Lobby as one. Then I'm sticking with uh, Skypea as two. I think that one's a pretty solid fit. <laughs> uh, and then three... <sighs> Dress Rosa. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't know. Three, that's that's going to be a tough one. I mean, I'm between, you know, maybe Alabasta's there. Maybe, um, well, I mean, the Arlong arc, is it is pretty good. Uh, could be the Fishman Island stuff. Like, really? I, I Fishman mean, Island, that high up for you? It's such an interesting place, in my opinion. Like, it is a story about, you know, exploration and all that. And I think it's a really nice one. And it's also where Luffy kind of takes this big step where he's like, yeah, these people are like, I am responsible for them. So it's, it's a cool moment. Uh, Not disagreeing with you. I just think it's interesting because that's a, as an art, a lot of people tend to shit on. Eh, I mean, I, of course I appreciate the action and the fights and all that, but like, I don't know. One piece is one of the, one of the best stories ever told. And without that very pivotal part, it just, Oh, it'd be it'd be lacking. Uh, but I gotta pick a third one, huh? <laughs> sure do. As far as I'm concerned, you're now contractually obligated to do so. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Wild card. I'm gonna throw Impel Down in there. Really? Yeah, because I I mean, uh, I you know that I have a very very special place in my heart for Buggy. <laughs> Don't we all? And yeah, he he gets to make a little bit of an appearance there, even though it is mostly a solo Luffy journey. Uh, I remember there being some some really really good payoff in there. The Magellan fight was pretty cool from what I remember, and I think there's also a lot of comedy in that one. Oh yes, which is great. Like yeah, I think that's just God. I keep saying that like. This is this is the story, but comedy is also so integral to the One Piece story. It's true. So that's your uh, that's your ranking, huh? Annie's Lobby number one, Sky Pia number two, and well, if I would consider this a wild card, but compared to the first two, uh, Impel Down wild card at part three. Yeah, I like it. Sticking to it. All right. 
So we will see how you feel about that in uh, 1,000 chapters. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. Any closing remarks you would like to throw out there before we wrap up episode one? Uh, No, I mean, I think I just want to say, I guess, thank you to anyone who chooses to listen to this. Um, You know, we're we're new to this, have some experience with... uh, audio stuff but this is certainly certainly out of my wheelhouse but i don't know i had fun doing it it's basically what we do anyway but now we're just recording it indeed uh be gentle we are fresh faces in the uh, in the podcasting community please do not bully us fresh voices you can bully jordan <laughs> they're going to anyway it's good that you <laughs> gave them permission i mean you were talking shit on demon slayer earlier so you know they're already the comments are already going. Oh, bring it on. You know, it's it's the classic good podcaster, bad podcaster. You know, that's, that's how you get them. Quite. So on that note, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Thank you to anyone who is listening. And we will talk to you next time. So long.